0: This conference will now be recorded. Today's topic is the best spring cover crop options, and it's kind of that time of the year that we're uh, starting to maybe think about planting. And since a lot of acreage did not get cover crops on this past year because of a lot of areas had a lot of wet weather, it it really is. Uh, there's kind of a, um, I get a lot of questions of well, what can I plant this spring? So that's one reason why I wanted to do this webinar. Um, I did this webinar last year on this topic and you will recognize some similar pictures maybe, but every time I give a webinar, there's always a different angle or different nuances to it and so forth. Uh, so I'm just uh, going to kind of I've reviewed some of that, but also have some new information here today, and I really would like to hear also from you all some of your experience that you may have in what would be good to put out there for spring planted cover crops, and um, let's just start right out the gate. I just put up some of the more popular ones that could be used, and we're going to talk about these um, as we go through uh, our, our time here today. The most popular ones are spring oats and field peas. And I put up field peas, you could say spring peas, you could say winter peas even. All the pea family tends to work. And if we skip down there on the right, on the left-hand side, excuse me a little bit, you'll see chickling vetch, or the brand name is typically AC Green Fix. The other name for chickling vetch is actually grass pea. So that's kind of in the pea family too, and we just know that peas do good early because they have the ability to grow in soils that are on the colder side. They're some of the best legumes that you want to try. We're going to talk about phasalia a little bit. Uh, medium red clover has been an old standby, especially for like broadcasting into winter wheat and so forth. Uh, we got some mustard options that will do well early. There's a radish, a grazer radish that I'm gonna at least mention now. I put up buckwheat. The reason I did, because I guess I'm actually kind of surprised how many people ask me, is buckwheat a good early spring crop? And the answer is no. It certainly is a big no, at least until you get out of when the temp when it when it could frost. Buckwheat kills very easily, does not grow good under cold temperatures or cooler temperatures. So uh, the reason I put it in there is simply to say, don't do that. Don't plant buckwheat until the soil temperature warms up. For most areas, it would have to be after the middle of May. Uh, You can fudge either way there, depending on your climate. Buckwheat is a summer crop. So I just want to clarify that, and that's why I put it on the list, because of the amount of times I get questions about it. So the most popular of getting early spring planted, and for, for a lot of us, anytime we can get in the ground now, we could plant peas and oats, uh, spring oats, spring peas, any kind of pea, um, most all the peas that are out there. I don't know of any specific species of pea That may be better other than the ones you may be used to to be grown in your area. So getting peas out there is and the oats is is um, is really what we want to do this time of the year. And if you get them planted soon enough, you can get a decent amount of yield on them uh, or a decent amount of biomass. Now, this picture here. Uh, is just to show you of peas, and there was a little bit of vetch in there if you look close, and there's oats in there planted the end of February in my farm in southeastern Pennsylvania. This picture was taken around the last day of May. So for a lot of people, that's past their planting date with a lot of their cash crops. But look at that biomass. Uh, You might want to be planting sooner. we were getting almost maxed out there now. In my case, I was planting pumpkins into there. So there's plenty of time uh, for this to work. So that's why oats and peas is the foundation of what we want to plant in the spring. And uh, for those who have a lot of ground to cover, even doing this in front of soybeans, like your last field that you're going to plant or your last field of corn is uh, a strategy to do this. So uh I have just recently. I was in Wisconsin, as many as you know. Had a farmer come up to me, and and again, this is just farmer evidence. But he said that he planted a uh, spring oat early, as soon as he could get in the ground in the spring. He put his soybeans in when the oats were about eight inches tall, and then he didn't spray them until the soybeans were up a couple inches. Uh, They were GMO beans so you could spray Roundup to kill the oats. He claimed he got a 10 bushel yield increase. I'm just passing that along. I don't think it was replicated. He was pretty happy with it. I'm just passing that along just like some information on that. There's no doubt about it. We are helping our soil health by having living plants in there early rather than just leaving that soil bare. And that is if you can get in your field. Some of the fields are going to remain wet and you just can't get in your fields to plant. Um, but this is really what we're going after. We're trying to maximize an opportunity here. This is just a, a picture to show you when I was planting my uh, pumpkins uh, into this. I use a, my, my. if you look at my planter there, that's the way I had it set up to plant my sweet corn. When I used to grow sweet corn, I'd put the outside two rows then in pumpkins. So, this was just to show you roll down and I'm planting pumpkins in there. So what is the seeding rates for this? Well, let's just use a foundation of about two bushels of oats. A bushel of oats is around 32 pounds, so 64 pounds, 40 pounds of peas. If you're really going after weed control, you might want to up that a little bit, uh, but You might want to decrease it a little bit too if if you're maybe in a lower rainfall area, uh, but this is just a good basis here. Now, I would adjust this depending if you are doing cash crops like corn or soybeans. I would increase the peas and decrease the oats if you're going to go to corn because we want to take advantage here of the legumes and the nitrogen production. If you're going to soybeans and – You may not even need any peas if you have manure that's going on the ground or if you had a good soybean crop last year, there's probably some nitrogen left over. I would still put in 10 or 15 pounds of peas just to help the oats grow a little bit better with the nitrogen production that the peas could do. So based on what you're trying to accomplish, based on what your cash crop is, you can adjust the seeding rates here of these two species. Now, we're going to talk about some other ones you can add in. Uh, but these are the basis here of the most popular, the most consistent of species. So, as you know, we like to mix things up as much as possible. And I'm going to submit the chickling vetch is another one you might want to think about if you can get the seed to kind of get some more variation of diversity. Uh, and here's just a picture of it. It does not look like a vet. Like the typical little leaflets that most other vetches have. Its other name is actually grass pea, and that probably is more accurate from the way we think about it because it's definitely more of a pea. And uh, you can certainly, you're going to totally agree with this when you see the seeds. The seeds are some of the weirdest seeds there are. They're different colors, they're different shapes, as you can see here. And, um, you know, it's just kind of cool. It actually looks like little tiny pebbles. So, uh, the seeding rate for chickling vetch is very similar to peas, and I just put up there 50 pounds per acre. That's in the context of planting them by themselves. So, if you're going to split it with peas, you know, you can just basically cut the rates in half, uh, whatever you want to do in that regard. But chickling vetch is definitely one if you want to start taking your cover crop mixes up a little bit in the spring. Uh, just as, a, as another option that's out there to add diversity and so forth. Now, I had to mention medium red clover or just simply red clover. <clears throat> red clover is a, a biannual. Generally, the the way red clover has typically been used for, I could say, 100 years, and I don't think I'm exaggerating, where uh, it was used in the context of growing small grains, where as soon as you can get on the fields in the spring, you would broadcast the red clover. And then with the latter winter freezing and falling aspects, it would kind of help work the seed into the cracks a little bit, and then it would germinate, and it would grow in the understory of the wheat. And then you cut the wheat, and the red clover then starts growing. It's all there, ready to grow. And this has been a practice that has been used uh, many, many decades. Uh, It's kind of been abandoned here of late because of the higher yielding wheat that sometimes can tend to shade it out. And it just isn't able to grow. Although I hear this practice coming back more and more. Matter of fact, I'm even tempted to try a little bit myself this year. Uh, So this is, again, in that spring planted category. And I would say... There could be a reason to mix it with oats and peas if you have a plan to somehow keep it surviving throughout the summer. If uh, you're just doing soybeans, I don't think that that would probably work. Uh, If you're doing corn, and if you really want to be like, you know, try some new stuff, that you could, uh, you know, you could watch your chemistry on here and it may, survive. Uh, it may survive your corn kind of like would be like an interseeding um, situation. I've um, seen this done in, in Europe. I didn't put that picture in, but they were trying to help trying to get this red clover to survive through the growing season. So that by the next fall, it would be all ready to go. So if you get really creative there, red clover may have a fit in spring planting. Now I put there six to 10 pounds per acre. I just had to put a number up there. That's basically on a single species rate. If you mix other rates with it, you would have to adjust accordingly. Um, so so the other one I wanted to talk about here was uh, radish. And this isn't the, 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 the radishes that we're most familiar with. Uh, most of our radishes that we use in the fall, uh, are generally, they're, they're daylight sensitive and they do not go to seed very quickly. So if you would plant the most of the radishes that we plant in the fall, if you would then turn around and plant that seed in the spring, it would bolt or uh, the, that's, that's the word that is, is properly used. It would bolt or go to seed very quickly and you would have this branchy, almost soybean looking type plant that would come up and, and it, it's, it's still going to be okay, good for the soil, but it won't be what you expect. So this grazer radish, uh, the name indicates it was made for grazing. Uh, if you plant that specific variety, and this is a variety that was bred in New Zealand. Uh, and it is, it is a lot different. I would have to say than most of our cover crop radishes in the fall. If you plant this one in the spring, you have a good opportunity to get a, a radish in that mix, which would be great if you could do it. So this would be added like to your oats and your peas uh, early on in the spring. So that's just another option that's out there. Uh, let's move on to some others in that same family. There's different types of mustard, white or yellow mustard or more of the popular ones. Again, you can put these out early. Uh, the, the cold weather is not really going to hurt them. And when they germinate, uh, they're, they're going to survive. Uh, except there could be a case where you have a warmer than normal late winter and then you have a colder than normal early spring where it would germinate and come out and it would just wipe them out. That could happen. So that's my little caveat right there. But aside from that, mustard is another one that we could add to our mix if we want to get a little creative. Now, one of the more exciting ones that I want to talk about here is phacelia. The reason being is it grows well uh, early on. It also is a pollinator crop. It's one of the best things to attract bees. So if we're we're ready setting ourselves up to plant an early spring crop, probably the strategy is that we won't be Terminating that crop to at least the, I'm just going to use the middle of May or, or the latter part of May to make it worthwhile. Having this in the, the mix is, I think, a, a very, very good idea. And actually I have a little piece I want to plant here soon. Fortunately, I found I have some basalia left over. I was glad to see that because I want to use it here this spring. Um, so you may not be as familiar with Vesalia. It's used quite a bit as a pollinator crop. This is how the leaves look. They're kind of a different type of a look. They're a broad leaf, but they have this type of a shape. I say they look kind of like carrots, but uh, they're definitely not carrots. But uh, so, so that's how the leaves look. But uh, they're used a lot, in a, like even in orchards and, and uh, vineyards, and so forth to be able to attract beneficial insects. And in. this picture here that I'm showing you was the first time I was, I'd was i ever seen Phacelia. It was 2010, I believe it was uh, in uh, France. And this field was a very conventional field. It had a history of being tilled like forever. And in the cover crop plots, that they had planted in this field, and we dug in every single plot. Unquestionably, the phacelia had done more for soil aggregation on the top two inches than any other cover crops I saw. So it has this really fine rooting structure at the at near the soil surface. And phacelia uh, kind of has a little taproot, if you can say that. But it's not known to break up compaction deep. But if you have poor soils, this is the plant you want. If you can get it, get it planted, it'll come up, it'll grow, and give it some time, and it'll do its thing. Now, this next picture that I have is a close-up, and this is actually of that same field that I was telling you about. This was a field that was uh, really beat up with, uh, with tillage, like I said. But just look at all those fine root hairs. I mean, it's possibly that's mycorrhizae uh, hairs right there. I'm not exactly sure. But uh, that that's just amazing to me. And that's one of the things that really stood out to me in what this plant has to offer. So if you're in a situation where you had a lot of ruts last fall and you want to try to you know break that soil back down and give it, you know, biologically more, uh, you know, more soul health and so forth having phasalia in the mix is definitely one to try um <clears throat> why don't i just pause here a little bit before i move on to the final wrap up uh and i'm going to open up the lines here what questions may you have or comments uh you have for any of what i've shared so far any questions or observations anything else you want to add anybody well, I'll just ask about no, the, cool season, the cool season areas. Yeah. Um, because you're talking about um, getting these things established. Um, like you're thinking they might, you might be able to plant them
1: in March or in April. That well, yes.
0: Well, I'm gonna, I am gonna cover that again with my free seeding slides. That you've probably seen before. Um, Scott, so why don't we just pause on that question for a little bit? Because I think your question is is more about, um, you know, how to get it done, right? No, it's more about season length or, or that. Because, I mean, for us, um, like, yeah. we just don't um, – like, we
1: may not get much growth, and then we need to get yeah. the cash crop planted. So, trying Understood. to figure out how that would work.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because I probably didn't really – expound on that very much like I should have but you're correct there are some areas and there are some times where you simply don't have time Uh, and and so that's I'm just that's just a given and even in areas further south than you Scott um, Scott's from Alberta by the way uh, for the rest you don't know there are times in the springs where we just don't have much of a time so this this topic today is maybe more applied to when that opportunity arises here's some options yeah See that what I'm makes saying yeah yep. yeah so um, so that's it's just good you clarify that because there's just some years where you just don't have this opportunity other comments questions hey Run Steve ready yes Steve do ready you hear me right? yep yeah I how long does it take for the phacelia to uh, start to go into bloom, like a flower? Yeah, my experience in southeastern Pennsylvania, where I'm from, is if I can get it planted at the beginning of March, we'll have flowers pushing out by about the third week of, of of May. So that's where I live, so you'll have to adjust accordingly. I see you're from Indiana, so you'd be similar in your area. And, of course, that's that's under, we'll just say, average uh, weather conditions uh, is, is what I would expect. So if you're going after the flowers, letting it grow until the you know the you can attract insects, you're gonna to want to let it grow till the end of May for sure. You know, to do its thing. But as far as the rooting action that you see in this picture right now, that that is a lot of that's already going to be accomplished. Um, and one of the things I'll add, to uh, before, before I forget it, is that Vesalia tends to not be a high germination seed. It tends to be low. If you have 80% germ or higher, that's a good lot of seed. And so we always mix it with something else because there are some times where it just doesn't grow everywhere. So it always has to be in a mix. Um, so I don't know, Derek. Was that helpful?
1: Yeah, it sure was. I love the I love the root development. I was just curious to the pollinator about yeah. that too.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, if you plant Sally, I should have put another picture in. But <clears throat> go look at the roots and and push back if there's any plant if there's any previous crop residue, and you can see these roots are almost even on the soil surface if it's on the wetter side. Oh, uh, it's it's just incredible what to do. Anybody else here ever plant physalia? And if so, what have you noticed? Uh, anything that has anybody ever planted vasselia? I see Chris is on from Southwest Iowa. Chris, how about you? Have you looked at vasselia yet?
1: Yeah, yeah, Steve, I I put it in mixes, and uh, yeah, I really love it. What it does. Um, I mainly put it in, you know, pollinator strips around, but mm-hmm. it, it loves to be planted yep. early, and it's a it's mm-hmm. a very very fine seed. It almost looks like rust flakes, yeah. Right. <laughs> you know right. Know I mean? But uh, yeah,
0: it's very chalky. It's a very yep. chalky type seed, and if you plant it by itself, it'll literally bridge up almost in a drill. I would never recommend you plant it by itself. So it's kind of a mute point, but the seeds are really. They're really different, and they're fine or small, but in a mix, they they, they do quite well. So, um, And they're not good over summer. If you do read any information, typically, I, I have read reports where the, when the soil temperature gets to 70 degrees, they won't germinate, which is kind of the opposite of most other seeds, but that's what some of the stuff I've read on. So they're definitely, they are lend themselves to early spring planting if you can, anyone else has used Faselia uh, yet? Bob, have you used Faselia in your vineyards up there in Western New York? Bob Betts. Okay. Anybody else? Anybody else have experience with anybody else have experience Steve? with Visalia? Yeah, go ahead. Steve. Um, yes. We've never tried it because our normal cover crop goes in in
1: late July. So I figured. Oh. Uh, where sometime, like this year with the ruts, I wonder if we can get in early enough, if we can try seeding some.
0: Yeah. If you can get a hold of it, you can. <clears throat> the price has been pretty high, but it, the price has come down. Mm. Um, it was like $4 a pound, but you don't need more than two or three pounds, like, on a per acre basis in a mix. So, a it's lot. not that bad if you're trying to remediate something, but, uh, uh-huh. but yeah, so anybody else uh comments up to this far any 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 other yeah go ahead
2: this is aaron from nebraska um last year we used or earlier this year or 18 i guess we used some fisonium in a mix after wheat and Mm -hmm. we had it germinate but because it was planted after the Summer solstice. Um, it didn't go to flower, but we were really after the the rooting action, and it still grew okay. pretty good height and and was successful. Um, but we had a really wet fall, so um, huh? I'd say that that contributed to lower soil temperatures in general.
0: How? What did you think of the rooting action? Is it what I've been saying? It is.
2: Yes, and I I've uh, talked to Keith Burns. He's he feels the same yeah. way. Um, for sure, in Nebraska, we've seen that time and time again, a lot of fibrous roots yeah. in that in that zero to two yep. inch.
0: Yeah, Yep, yep, it doesn't go deep. But it's if you want to remediate soil, that's one you definitely want to work in. Any other comments before we move on? Okay, let's move on and wrap this up. Uh, the next, um, I just want to show you, if I can get this thing to work here, Um, some ideas uh, on how to get it planted early. And those of you who have been a part of my webinars have seen this picture before, but I had to put it in again. And that is freeze seeding. That's uh, when you actually use slightly frozen ground to be able to plant without getting mud on your planter. And this does not happen. This opportunity does not occur every year that, that it works like this. Uh, But it is a way to get seeds in the ground earlier than you typically do, earlier than you typically need to wait for soil to dry out because usually it won't either – it's usually just too muddy in the spring. Now, you know, we got to be careful uh, on on wet spots and so forth in your fields. But I just wanted to show you this picture because it was taken at 2 a.m. in the morning so i've done this a couple times Um, i don't do it very much anymore because i found better ways to make sure my cover crops are planted on time Uh, but basically uh, whenever the ground gets frozen enough that it can support your tractor your drill but not froze too much that the colders can still penetrate down through the freezing ground so on a colder night that's going to get down to around 20 degrees Fahrenheit, you're going to have to start in in the evening probably uh, because my example, one time I started at 11 p.m. at night, and it was about 25 degrees. The temperature was dropping. Three hours later at 2 a.m., that's the night I took this picture, it got frozen up that my colders were not going in the ground anymore. The temperature had dropped to 21. Uh, so i'm just giving you a scenario sometimes it's just barely getting cold enough and you wait till first light or right before dawn to start depending on the acres you want to try to do and so forth so if you're going to do stuff like this you kind of have to have your stuff ready to go the night before or whatever it's kind of a little different way of thinking but it is it is an opportunity that's out there um i guess i was just curious has anybody else done this um, uh, has anybody else done this free seating before? Yes, Steve. Anybody at all ever try? Okay, John, you have. That doesn't surprise me. I have. I, oh. Two weeks ago, I finished a field at a farm. In, oh, uh, man. I wish I could give you a prize, John. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> That's great. That's good for you. Yep I, I actually thought yesterday morning... Would have been a good morning around here to do it. Yes. Uh, but I didn't have I didn't have any to do, so <laughs> I didn't do it. Any, anybody else uh, try the free seeding method before? Anybody? Okay, I'm just going to uh, wind us down here now. I just want to put this other slide in here for vegetable farmers. Uh, a lot of... A lot of vegetable farmers in my area now are starting to use this system where they lay their plastic, their their plastic for their vegetables, and then they will plant oats in the spring. They'll just broadcast it over the the fresh ground there. That's that's a uh, where the raised beds are made. So that's just another option. I just wanted to just wanted to mention it there. So let's just uh, review where we're at here and what we've talked about and. We're going to open it up for other questions and a little bit later. So I just have this this picture here to, or this this slide here to review. I'm not going to go over it, but I just was curious if there's any other cover crop that I may have missed. I really would like to know if there's anything out there that I may have missed. Um, is there anybody has other suggestions? Chris.
1: Yeah, Steve, I was wondering, uh, yeah. you know, I, uh, about fava beans, you know, early early fava as we beans. can. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, that's, that's. I did try to plant them one year early, uh, early, I remember that now. Um, so, the, what I do remember, I was actually trying to grow them for seed, I planted it by themselves, and I believe it was flea beetles just decimated them. But that was in the context of growing them by themselves. And, uh, you know, now I would want to grow it with something else for sure. Uh, so I think fava beans would have merit. Have you ever done them in the spring?
1: Yeah. Last year I I had some uh, uh, oat barley mix, and then I came back in with a row planter and planted some fava beans. And, you know, I probably didn't put enough out there, but uh, it, yeah.
2: you
0: know, they
1: came yeah. along and they produced seed. Yeah. You know
0: okay so do you think in other words that's something you might try again this spring
1: yeah and i, I think i need to try it even earlier or uh, very first thing that i could get out there and and yep. do it um yeah
0: yep Yeah. good that's a great suggestion um other suggestions from anyone else
2: steve this and Aaron again um yeah, we go ahead we're going to try spring lentils with kind of everything else you've mentioned here, but okay. spring lentils was one more that stuck out That's, to me.
0: That does sound like a good idea. I also probably should have added these, uh, but spring barley and spring triticale are other options. Uh, I'll just say that for whatever it's worth. It probably could have merit to the list. Does anybody have experience with spring barley? Uh, anyone use spring barley? I'll just start with that.
1: Yeah, Steve, this is Chris. Um, yeah, yep. and I, I've been doing that for several years of doing, you know, uh, spring barley mixed with oats and also have some brassicas, some mustards in there, and like I said, I had the fava beans. And then I harvested that all together. So that mix is kind of uh-huh. um, what I've been harvesting for my spring, you know, if I have to do okay. any cover crops. But, yeah, right. I've got probably about 30% uh, spring barley in there. Yeah. Uh, Works really well.
0: Well, when I was, was was when I was in Wisconsin two weeks ago, that was one of them that was brought up that they were going to try to use there. So, I think that probably needs to be added to my list here. What about spring triticale? Anybody try spring triticale? Okay. Uh, any other thing? Any other suggestions? I got them listed here, and I'm going to add them to my notes when I send out the link to this. But any other suggestions as to what would be a good um, Another good spring cover crop species. Okay. Oh well, well. I just wanted to let us know that uh, next week it's probably going to be a little narrower focus, uh, knowing that there's not a big, um, big group of people that are into vegetables. But I have had this question asked, so I'd like to get the webinar uh, on the list, so to speak. So next week I'm going to be talking about strategies to improve soil health with cover crops in vegetables. So that's going to be geared more to the vegetable crowd. But, uh, of course, anybody's welcome to join uh, in that regard. But uh, so just to wrap up today, um, is there any other cover crop question that you want to bring out, uh, that you want to bring up here? Uh, there's, uh, you know, any anything you that, that you would like to talk about? Just with that, um, that uh, webinar next week, what day and time is it? What was, that, what was that, Scott? The webinar next week. What day and time is it? It is. It is I don't have that in front of me. I'll send that out to you. I've. I. I. My schedule is so jumbled up working around speak engagements that I kind of forget right now. Okay. But I'll send that out to you, Scott. Everybody okay. will see it. Um, I do have yeah, a, yeah I, I have some I, other yeah. meetings yeah. on next week, but. Well, know. you know that everything's everything's recorded, so. Yeah, I'm hoping just to finding all that, you. Yep. Hey, yeah, I go back and live. listen yeah, to the so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very, good. Great. So um I might look it up here just while we're talking. Other questions anybody else has about anything with cover crops? Anything at all? Now's your chance. Anybody? <laughs> well, okay. Um just looking here. Next week. Um I think it's gonna be Wednesday, Scott. Next Wednesday, I believe. Um, So, yeah, that's when it's going to be. I'm looking at here my other calendar. So, okay, last call. Any other questions for today? Well, thank you, everybody, for uh, your great questions and for attending today. I know a lot of us are are dealing with snow this uh, today, but uh, you know, spring is on the way, so we got to start thinking about what we're going to do this spring and what the options are out there. So. Appreciate your support. Stay curious. Keep learning. See you next week.